This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. One thing that we are really trying to help to to get more feedback from is is from is from people of color, from renters, and from people of, of um, limited you know financial means. And so everyone's voice is is important in this process. But we you know we'd also like to to um, just sort of elevate um, voices that we haven't heard from um, more in the past. Channel two five three is a member supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Today on Crossing Division, we are going to take up an issue that is kind of really ripe at the moment, and that is Tacoma's proposed review of zoning in the city and some potential plans that would result in more density uh, and more housing. So with me today is Chris Carnes. Uh, Chris is someone who I know mostly from social media, who has been an avid um, advocate for transportation and also uh, has been actively involved in these zoning issues and sits on the planning commission. Uh, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, thank you for having me, Evelyn. Um, yeah, my name is Chris Carnes. I serve on the Tacoma Planning Commission in the seat representing uh, public transportation. I was appointed by the Tacoma City Council in 2019. Uh, I currently work at Sound Transit as a software engineer in their IT department supporting real-time bus and train information. Excellent. Excellent. So I know you've been talking to different people about the zoning proposal, and I'm really glad that we were able to get some time on your calendar I want to start with kind of an overview because I don't want to make the assumption that everyone knows what's going on. Um, for a lot of people, and, and often I would include myself in this mix, we don't pay a lot of attention to zoning. You just sort of assume that, you know, the neighborhood you're in, is going to stay generally the same and that you'll see changes uh, maybe in commercial centers. But there's something different that's going on in Tacoma uh, this time. So, Chris, why don't you tell me what is um, what is proposed, and what is the Home in Tacoma project? Sure. Um, <clears throat> the Home in Tacoma project is an initiative by the City of Tacoma, um, which seeks to expand housing choice, supply, and affordability by considering changes to the city's comprehensive plan to allow um, missing middle housing types and to explore aspects of inclusionary zoning to meet uh, housing equity goals. And missing middle housing types are things like duplexes, triplexes, townhouses, or cottage housing, which are currently not allowed in most of the city. Mm -hmm. um, and inclusionary zoning is policy which requi would require development of affordable units in every project or payment of fees in lieu of affordable units into a housing trust fund. So the uh, Home in Tacoma project is, is part of the city's affordable housing action strategy, which was passed by the city council some years ago. Uh, it, so Home in Tacoma in itself has been in development uh, since 2019. And the work has sort of culminated in the planning commission publishing a public review draft of proposed changes uh, last month. Uh, so what we're what, to sort of really sort of clarify what this means is that we are in the first phase of considering whether to change the future direction of how the city 
will approach meeting housing growth. Mm -hmm. If and when the city council adopts those changes to the comprehensive plan, we'll spark a second process to talk about specific changes to zoning, regulations, and design standards um, that we'd think about later next year. Okay. So, um, and I'm jumping ahead of myself here a little bit, but if, if let's say, depending on what sort of feedback and, and other uh, thought processes go on on the planning commission, if the planning commission decides, yes, we are going to change from having mostly single family uh, housing in Tacoma, when would your average person living in Tacoma see something that would look like a change? Yeah, so at, I think at this point uh, that you probably wouldn't start seeing any any substantial changes until at least uh, next year because we're not we're only in sort of the policy phase of the of the project. So we um, we gather the feedback from the from the public uh, and staff works with consultants to gather um, baseline information to to consider how each one of the proposals would potentially affect housing affordability at various income levels mm -hmm. and how it would affect uh, both rental and ownership housing. And in the next phase, we'd be talking about really design standards uh, to uh, that would build off of that policy. So it's unlikely that we would see movement on this until until sometime next year. Okay. So at this point, we're really just spending some time, I would say, in, in almost like a um, brainstorming, imaging discussion of what the citizens of Tacoma think that the city should look like moving forward. Is that fair? That's that's fair because the the current housing strategy for the city of Tacoma um, concentrates most of the housing in um, what's called regional growth centers inside the downtown area and in the Tacoma Mall area, um, as well as in um, smaller neighborhood mixed-use centers across the city. So what this um, this concept would do, it, it the in generally would um, open up additional areas for additional housing at a lower scale than we are seeing it in the mixed-use centers and in the um, regional growth centers. Mm -hmm. Well, I can think of a couple of things that might come out of that that I would be very interested in. I mean, first of all, as I think everyone in Tacoma, we have um, a, a very concerning situation with people who are unhoused and living on the streets. And we have tent communities um, along different um, streets in uh, in the downtown area along Yakima, um, you know, a, a few blocks back from that too. Um, so one of my hopes would be that developing more varieties of housing would provide more affordable options to allow people to leave um you know, leave the streets and maybe be able to afford their places to live. Is is that um, something that we hope we might see eventually? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, the 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 proposals that we're looking at right now are they're um, they're market based proposals. So what really uh, the the focus is trying to build sort of increasing the housing supply and choice, mm -hmm. and that does have um, does have make improvements over time over sort of the long haul um, when it comes to housing affordability. Um, according to the consultant report, uh, the city has lost about two thousand and eight hundred uh, low income residents, uh, and 
that is, you know, the, those people have been displaced either to, you know, move in with um, relatives or uh, move to other cities or potentially, you know, not have a home. Um, but what this, um, what this, these pl- proposals would be able to do is potentially um, increase housing supply for those making 50% AMI or area median income and above. Uh, so that would be able to uh, help with housing supply at at um, at those levels of of income, uh, where both where technically both um, both proposals sort of don't uh, have as much impact is in that zero to thirty percent range where the people need deeply affordable units, but um, but what this does is if if we can have the market potentially take a look at um, serving more of the um, people who make between 50 and 100 100% plus uh, area median, median income, it allows for the city to then be very particular about how it targets um, its resources to be able to help those people um, needing, needing deeply affordable units that cost $300 a month per yeah. unit and below. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that's always been a uh, frustration. You know, when we have housing discussions, what people are always pointing to as the, as the really severe need, which is the deeply low cost housing, that is just not something that the free market is likely to ever really effectively provide. We really need some government um, financing in to make that happen. Let me ask the other piece that is intriguing to me is um, I'm thinking back, my um, grandparents lived both in um, both in this country and in, in New Zealand. And my older relatives in New Zealand, uh, generally my grandmother, my great great aunts, would all at a certain point, they all moved from homes where they had raised their families into apartments or flats, um, you know, some that they owned, some that they rent. And that's something that I don't see as much of around here as I would like to. And that is maybe a little garden apartment type places that are really appropriate for senior citizens. Uh, is that something that we can hope to see a little bit more of um, if our housing zoning laws change? Uh, I, I think that's I think that's generally the case. Uh, actually, part of the um, the short term uh land use code changes that that are coming up for adoption um, are a result of uh, action at the state legislature state legislative level um, which um, sort of changed the design requirements for um, for senior housing to make that uh, actually more uh, more affordable to develop uh, and especially in areas where uh, there's a lot of uh, access to transit and you know uh, walkability and shopping, mm-hmm. and so I think that that moving forward we're going to see um, this nexus between um, needing to have um, multifamily housing be not just um, affordable but also um, in desirable locations that are accessible to community resources and shopping. That's good. That's good to hear. Well. I- how how is the I guess I would ask you on behalf of the planning commission how would these changes this um, zoning move um, how might that change what we see in some of the neighborhoods around Tacoma um, and I'm particularly thinking you know do we think maybe we'd see more uh, small commercial zones in neighborhoods um, do you think we would see more people who were um, 
you know, commuting into Seattle or is it more that, you know, that is just sort of not likely to change? I mean, what, what would Tacoma look like if we make some of these changes? Um, so I can, so Tacoma has some existing pockets of small walkable commercial areas mm-hmm. outside of its mixed use centers in residential neighborhoods, things like a laundromat, a coffee shop, small restaurants, things of that nature. Uh, the new proposals would allow under certain circumstances in the, um, in what's being called the mid-scale um, residential zone for there to be some, potentially to be some of these ground floor walkable commercial uses in new housing structures. Um, they wouldn't be nearly as large as they are in the mixed use center. So mm-hmm. we're not talking about six story buildings. Um, we'd be talking about three or potentially maybe four story buildings along major arterials. Um, but uh, the emphasis would be to try to you know improve the walkability of, of neighborhoods um, that may not have a whole lot of walkability right now. Mm-hmm. And in terms of uh, in terms of whether or not, you know, we would be more of a, a suburb to see to Seattle, uh, I think that um, that adding additional residents has the potential to, you know, potentially to to draw additional jobs in the form of satellite offices down to uh, down to Tacoma. Um, of course, there will be a commuter market. That's part of the reason why we're constructing um, the regional light rail system uh, and to provide access to SeaTac Airport and job opportunities to the north. Um, but, you know, Tacoma, I think, will will continue to develop uh, along with the, the increasing population density. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I throw that question out not because I have an opinion on that one really one way or another. I mean, I can, I think um, as long as the housing prices stay as high as they are in this Seattle metropolitan area, and I don't see that changing, um, there's always going to be pressure on the um, communities that are, you know, 30 to 40 minutes away, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just, to find uh, for you know housing that is more affordable, so I think that that's a natural progression. Is to is that we may or we will be seeing a lot of people who are buying um, places or renting places down here and then um, commuting up to Seattle. And and I don't think that's necessarily I don't think that's necessarily like what you design for. I think, but I don't think it's necessarily a negative. Um, I moved up here in the fall of. 1985 to go to law school. And at that point, Bellevue was pretty much, you know, didn't have a very large city center. It, it did have some, had a, you know, the big mall. Um, but over the intervening years, um, Bellevue has really gone from a, what, what would have been sort of a commuter um, suburb into a city in its own rights, mm-hmm. partly because of, you know, the growth of the tech industry, but, right. you know, starting as a, as a place where people who may be working elsewhere but choose to live, that's not a bad thing, even in terms of the development of the city. So I don't think that's a negative, but I do I do kind of see that as being a likely possibility. I guess it's already a poss- it's already happening, so I just see that continuing. Um, tell me a little bit about I had read an article in The Urbanist, and I'll link that to this um, to these program notes. Uh, that talked a little bit about the two options that the Planning Commission was looking at. Um, one that's called the Evolve Housing Choice Option, and the other that's called the Transform Housing Choice Option. 
which I will not even try to explain because I will get them confused. But maybe you could uh, explain what these two options are and how it fits into what the city is looking at. Sure. Uh, of course. Um, so to talk about the two options, I need to cover two different aspects of the plan. Uh, one, which is the zoning, which governs what is allowed in a particular zone. And then second, the areas where the zoning applies. So in either scenario, the single family residential zoning would transition into what's being called re low scale residential. Instead of one single family structure per parcel, it would enable property owners to consider building or converting a to a duplex or a triplex that on the outside looks very similar in size, scale, and design to a single family house so it can blend in with the rest of the neighborhood. But on the inside, it's partitioned to enable more people to the opportunity to live in established neighborhoods. Additionally, in certain circumstances, such as a large or corner lot, fourplexes or townhouses might be allowed. Next, there's the multifamily zoning, which would transition to what is being called mid-scale residential, which would allow the same uses as low-scale residential, duplex, triplex, etc., um, and would enable small apartment buildings that under certain circumstances could have a small business on the ground floor, like I talked about, like an office or a cafe. Those buildings would be limited to either three or four stories, depending on the site conditions. Now, mid-scale residential, well, while... Um, the uh, single-family residential to low-scale residential would apply citywide under both both um, under both scenarios. The mid-scale residential would generally be located on major arterials and thoroughfares in Tacoma, so the Sixth Avenues, the Pacific Avenues, the Nineteenth Streets, the Portland Avenue. If you picture those parts of the city and measure out only one half of a city block from the center of the road, that's what the Evolve Housing Choice scenario would allow. Um, mid-scale housing. Um, and then it would transition to low-scale uh, residential in the alley of the first block. Similarly, you know, additional distance um, from existing mixed-use centers would allow um, mid-scale in the evolving scenario. So there would be a, a buffer area around our existing mixed-use centers that could potentially have some mid-scale housing. And the transition so, so the what's important is the transition or boundary between um, mid-scale and low-scale housing, and so that at that um, boundary, it's it's a question of where where you can build a triplex, but you can't build a small apartment building. So that's the that's the concept of the of the transition area. In the transform scenario, the the transition occurs two blocks out from the corridors instead of one half block out. And part of this is informed by what is considered um, uh, you know, an easy walking distance to public transit. Uh, generally, people will be able to walk about five minutes to, um, to, to transit, and that's about four city blocks. And so this, the Planning Commission decided to um, have that distance to try to be, have it be a little bit more conservative mm -hmm. uh, and to focus the intent uh, to make um, the housing more accessible to people with disabilities uh, and to seniors. Uh, but what that would do is it would um, allow for the, um, the zoning transition to occur at each block. So you could do um, a certain level of density on the first block and on the second block and then transition on the third block to, um, to the low scale, um, low scale residential. And part of the reason why this is called transformative is that the city is really trying to become an anti-racist 
um, organization. Mm -hmm. And the um, one of the things that this scenario does is that it um, it it helps to transform um, uh, areas potentially that have historically where where people have been historically excluded from living in a particular area due to uh, redlining in the real estate industry to potentially find housing choices in those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the way that it does that is by linking together um, the mid-scale housing with um, with transit access. So uh, as well as you know being out from you know, some distance from corridors. It's also along uh, bus and light rail lines in the city. I see. That's interesting. Uh, so I'll um, try to apply an example here. I live uh, over in the west end of Tacoma, about two and a half blocks west of Pearl Street and North 21st. So along, so I will live in a very walkable neighborhood. I am about two and a half blocks from uh, Bank of America my dentist office, the Rite Aid where my prescriptions can be filled. Um, There's law offices and insurance offices. And then uh, if I go um, down, I don't know, it's only, it's, it's one very long block, but if I, if I uh, cross the street into the Westgate shopping area, there's restaurants, fast food places, a a gym, um, nail salon, and then, and then across 26, I've got Safeway, um, gas stations, more um, salons, a cannabis store down 26th uh, <laughs> block off of Pearl. I mean, there really is everything in my neighborhood that I need within, I would say, a pretty a good 15 to 20 minute walk, uh, including good access to transit um, uh, bus stops as well. And um, is so I think I already am lucky enough to live pretty close to that. Is is that the sort of framework that you would hope to see uh, expanding into other areas? Uh, yes, I I think that that's uh, that's uh, that's quite fair. Um, in so in either scenario, really, um, there's an expansion of housing. There's an expansion of housing choice in general, um, which uh, the well where the where the, the changes to low-scale zoning improve uh, access to affordability for for, for ownership housing, uh, and in the mid-scale, generally the the um, the consultants tell us that the uh, improvements to um, affordability are generally in the rental uh, rental housing market, mm-hmm. especially in in terms of the uh, low to moderate income scale. Um, and so I think that uh, by allowing additional more additional choice um, in these areas, especially you know in areas like the the Westgate uh, neighborhood, um, it it really would you know allow for more workers to potentially to walk to work um, mm-hmm. to to get to their their places of employment and to um, potentially um, you know uh, you know just just have. Uh, the ability to find housing at a lower price. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say in 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 my neighborhood too, we probably have got pretty strong development right along Pearl Street. But it and then uh, at any cross street, it might then continue for a block or more. Although at that point, it's usually like a re- real estate offices or things like that. And then it turns back into residential. So you know, at least in terms of the development of more commercial properties or maybe mixed properties, especially if some of these 
um, commercial areas could have residences on top of them. I don't think that will really, at least visually, change the nature of what we see around Tacoma too much. I mean, I, I think that's a kind of organic change. Yeah, and and I think that's um, that's also uh, I, that's kind of the sentiment that um, was uh, was voiced at the um, the city council's study session on this issue was that um, you know especially when it comes to the the low scale residential uh, changes was that this the we. Um, discussed the issue of uh, the as a community that we discussed the the issue of accessory dwelling units mm -hmm. and and sort of determined that because of the financial requirements uh, to to make substantial changes to um, to a residential parcel and the fact that you know people live in the houses that they that they generally own in Tacoma um, it 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 meant that there's sort of like this this inherent buffer and inherent slowness to the overall rate of change in in single family neighborhoods it's it's the question of of the the mid-scale residential and in terms of of how how large and how um how much of the area of the city that applies to and how much that would change uh existing single family residential neighborhoods uh that that is really kind of the um the source of um more more conflict than mm -hmm. than uh, the the low scale residential changes. Well, and then tell me about that. What uh, what sort of transformation would we expect to see if we did more um, mid scale and less low scale? Well, uh, so in in scenario two, where we where the um, the emphasis is is to um, sort of broaden the the reach of of mid scale. That's where you would see sort of four story buildings along the along um, corridors. So there would probably be some transition of of um, larger sites, you know, larger parcels, corner parcels into into fourplexes or into or into townhouses. Um, and in some cases, you know, the, you you could have um, uh, conversions of large houses that are, you know, three or four thousand square feet into maybe two or three units. Mm -hmm. um, it, I think that's that's entirely uh, a reasonable um, uh, transition that we that we might see. Uh, it's it's possible also that the planning commission is is also considering um, like a phased approach to potentially implementing this so that so that we don't have too much change too too quickly but it you know it's really dependent upon um, the feedback that we hear uh, at uh, at the public hearing and uh, uh, the written comments that we get back uh, by the end of this week okay well let me pause you there Chris and we'll take a quick break and then we come back let's talk more about um, engaging the public and um, and how that process is going to work. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma. It's no secret that Tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now. And whenever I have a question about what's happening, I take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie, Marguerite Martin. I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. After 16 years helping Tacomans buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. 
Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime. The agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite, for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. Okay, we're back talking with Chris Carnes about some proposed zoning changes that the city of Tacoma is contemplating. Before we get back into that detail, I'd like to suggest that if you are not yet a member of Channel 253, you consider joining us. It is $4 a month or $40 a year. Um, Helps support these podcasts that we put out uh, to the public and also will allow you access to some member-only exclusives, such as the Off the Record podcast that our producer Doug Mackey hosts, and also access to the Channel 253 member Slack channel, where there is always a robust discussion about local current events. So I hope you will join us. So Chris, um, we're talking about the two options. And we're also going to talk about how the planning commission would like to engage people. I guess I'll ask you first, what do you, you've been studying this. So what do you think are the advantages of the two different options? And I would say the um, more mid-scale evolve housing choice. No, I've got it wrong. The low scale is evolve and the mid-scale is transform. Am I right? That's correct. Okay. What do you think are the advantages? Or what do you think, after looking at this, would be probably um, important for Tacoma to be considering? Yeah. So, in both options, we, so we both we in both options we get duplex, triplex, and townhouses um, as allowed uses. And the consultants tell us that in terms of long term affordability, ownership housing is definitely benefit for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we can we can think about that in, in terms of, of like a five year time scale of Im, of improving housing affordability over that long haul. Um, you know, if you're a person right now who would like to purchase like a townhouse in a walkable neighborhood center or near a light rail station, it's it's you're going to have a hard time finding one because there's very little land where that option for housing exists and is economical. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if so, if uh, if you're primarily concerned about improving home ownership um, and uh, you know maintaining the the price of of ownership housing, then um, the then your focus on on option one or the evolve scenario um, is that's that's generally the larger uh, impact there. Uh, in the transform scenario, there's uh, you get all of the benefits of of that improvement to ownership housing, while also improving the market for um, households with low to moderate incomes. So. <clears throat> So it allows sort of um, the people who um, who are working class uh, Tacomans, people who you know 
who may have been, um, you know, who who may be seniors or people with disabilities or um, people who have been racially discriminated against in the past uh, or single parents to potentially, you know, still have room in the city moving forward. And that's what's really concerning is is that if, you know, we've lost those 2,800 people um, over the last couple of years who may fit into those categories, and if we don't do something um, rel relatively quickly, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to sort of hemorrhage that um, that portion of our society. And, you know, Tacoma will have just a have a completely different feel, mm -hmm. you know, in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so um, the other sort of benefit of uh, the scenario two um, sequence or or option is to um, is to better pair transportation and housing together. Uh, at present, so that was one thing that also came out of the the consultant report was that it costs about nine to ten thousand years to own, fuel, insure, and maintain a car, mm -hmm. and it leaves a lot less money for other needs. So in scenario two, what we can do is we can sort of pair and stack the benefits of housing affordability with transportation affordability to try to drive down the, the overall cost of housing. And so what we can do is we can give people the option of being a one-car family by mm -hmm. supplementing their mobility with other modes or by opting to use like a shared vehicle in combination with telecommuting, something like that. Giving people options is is really important. And, you know, those sorts of savings can, can be tremendous for families to be able to go to things like education, healthy food or retirement savings, things of, things of that nature. And so I think that scenario two uh, offers us that, that potential. Um, but it's not without its impacts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think a couple of things uh, that come to mind based on what you've just said. One is I can remember seeing some data, uh, I think at the beginning of the pandemic that was talking about job losses in Pierce County and impacts in Pierce County. And the fact that um, in Pierce County, we have a very significant number of people who are in service industry jobs, those may be in restaurants, hotels, um, other things, and those tend to be paid at minimum wage or just over minimum wage. So it's very, very difficult for uh, people who may be working, you know, more than one full-time job and working hard, but being paid at, let's say, $15 an hour, um, it's very hard for them to be able to compete in a robust housing market where houses are, you know, selling above 300,000 regularly. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, in fact, I would say it is not possible for them to compete. Um, and, you know, tied in with that, so much of a family's um, wealth and financial security is tied up in, in being able to own a home. So that even, you know, owning a townhouse, if that may be something that's more affordable, that could make a, a difference for generations in a family. Absolutely. Because if yes. you can get in and own, if you buy that property and then you can use that either um, to then, you know, establish equity and buy a larger property or borrow against your your property to pay for things like your kid's college education. You know, you're talking about the, the, the foundation of generational wealth building that has been uh, denied to people who have lower incomes or, as you've noted, because of racist um, policies. It, it's big. I mean, it, it's a transformative, it's a transformative experience to purchase a home and have that house 
uh, increase in value. Mm -hmm. So I hope we can make some of those changes. You know, one of, I'll skip one of my questions because I think it fits a little bit later, but what are you anticipating or what are you hearing as uh, opposition to the idea of changing our zoning laws so dramatically? Well, um, we it, it sort of comes in a couple of different forms. And I think that, so one criticism is that, um, that well, people say that there is an affordability problem that the city sort of already planned for housing and the housing could can potentially go, you know, into the regional growth centers as we've already identified it. So into downtown Tacoma and the Tacoma Mall. So why do anything else? Mm. Um, when while this is sort of true on its face, the existing um, uh, strategy didn't really set housing goals by income level, and that is what we are trying to do now. So I don't. So while that sort of criticism exists in in sort of a, a sort of a do nothing kind of scenario, um, it's the thing is is that the existing um, the existing land use plans are not geared um, to look at housing affordability in the way that we really need them to now. Mm -hmm. um, there seems to be relatively broad agreement about the low-scale residential um, moving to a baseline residential zone, uh, again, because of the sort of the, it, it shares many um, similar aspects with the accessory dwelling unit conversation that we've been having for um, several years. But what I do expect to see, and uh, I, I check the comment map uh, that's um, published by the city of Tacoma, um, uh, to the, where you can look at each one of uh, the city's neighborhoods and do a block by block um, sort of overview of what the changes are. I, I do expect to see some neighborhoods to provide location specific opposition to mid scale housing, with people saying things like, you know, our neighborhood should be an exception and not allow new mid scale residential because fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And that fill in the blank is, you know, generally it's a couple of different things. It, you know, some people um, object on the on the basis that their homes are, you know, the homes in the area are, are historic mm. or that they're, um, the homes uh, it, for a particular area, it's, is very view sensitive. And so they don't want a, a structure going up in front of, um, you know, their view of either Mount Rainier or, um, the Tacoma Narrows bridge, mm. um, the bridges, um, or, you know, that an area has absorbed, um, too much growth already, or that, um, and sort of the last thing is probably that, you know, the area doesn't have the infrastructure or services to support the growth. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be um, part of the Planning Commission's task to sort of um, sift through those sorts of objections and find a way to apply rules that are consistent and fair across neighborhoods to um, to expand access, but also to try to avoid some of those um, more difficult um you know, those difficult areas where, where, where people feel, you know, have really strong objections to, um, to being able to, um, you know, to sort of maintain their neighborhood integrity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's, um, it's a fine line to walk and it's, it, it's one where the planning commission can do its best, but at the end of the day, the, the city council will be the, they will be the, the ones deciding um, how things go at the end. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, the thought process, the thought of, you know, an objection being, you know, my neighborhood is historically significant, so it should be left alone, which I have some sympathy with. Um, but what I'm thinking of sitting here is both uh, in the north, in the north end, uh, Yakima Street, that has beautiful, huge 
uh, mansions and also apartments. Um, and I think of K Street that is the same. It has some very nice old family homes and it has, you know, some small, very small businesses like Hanks that have been there for a long time and apartments. And, you know, our old neighborhoods actually used to have this because there needed to be places for all kinds of people to live together on the transportation lines. It's the newer areas like where I live, which was in my house was built in 1968. Um it's only single family residences except, you know, on the main arterials. And then we have some, then we have quite a few apartments on the arterials. Um, so the old uh, historic format of Tacoma did have, you know, little commercial centers and housing above the shops and apartments next to mansions. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Uh, you know, th- the area that that you're that you're referring to, I think, uh, is is um, it's the North Slope neighborhood in in the in the, the city, and I used to live in that area. And it it sort of was the it had three streetcar lines, I think, running running through it all along along K Street, along I Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there were you know, several, uh, and along Tacoma Avenue. Mm, That's right. Yeah. Along North, yeah. North, North Tacoma, Tacoma Avenue. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I've done some, um, some walking around that, that neighborhood and it, it's interesting because, um, the rust mansion on I street is grandiose, huge mm-hmm. building, um, across the alley from it. If you, if you look behind, behind that, that building, there's, there's a bit of foliage and then there's a, four-story, three or four-story uh, apartment building. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting how we, um, how in that neighborhood, there has been a successful integration of different types of housing. And I think part of it really has to do with actually the, um, the mature vegetation. So trees and shrubs that sort of help to um, soften and help, help to soften the density and help it fade in, into the background. That's an that's an interesting observation. I think you're right. I think the big trees and the other um, the other growth sort of integrate everything together. Right, and so that's why one component of of um, the 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 development of these new um, of these new uh, zoning codes and design guidelines is that is that we want to include things like street trees and um, you know access to open space so that uh, so that you know, so that we can try to pull from um, from those learned experiences in the in the North Slope and in our sort of more historic neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been following a discussion on this on the Nextdoor app. Um, it caught my I, I don't go on that app too often, but I do occasionally. And it caught my eye um, because a lot of people were commenting and the comments seem to be not so much. um that, that they thought the whole idea was bad, but rather that they thought, you know, more density would be good, but this particular plan seems to be moving too fast, which I think is kind of, we hear that a lot, which is, look, I'm not opposed to this. I, you know, the, the idea of, of doing X, I just think this particular plan needs more work. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, 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 the timeline for for us was really set by the the Tacoma City Council. Mm-hmm. So they set they gave um, the Planning Commission a deadline of um, this May, I believe, to provide them with a with a plan. And so we've been working with that timeline, and staff has been working with that timeline to try to put out a plan 
Also, the state legislature, they passed a a piece of legislation which um, provided some funding to be able to... um, to create a housing action plan, which essentially is what what this is, um, but and that deadline also was for for June of this year. So uh, so the the deadlines in terms of the of 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 creating a draft uh, is was sort of set by the the planning com- or not by the planning commission, but but by outside forces. But um, it's. It's really up to the uh, city council, I think, at this point to determine how fast or slow we do this. And it it still remains up to um, up to the city council to determine, you know, when these potential changes would would go into effect. And so uh, there's still flexibility on it. It's just that because of the long time scales for implementing land use changes and then getting the the um, affordability benefits of those changes is so long. Mm-hmm. They uh, wanted us to get started as quickly as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, another question I had was, what about uh, are th- are there um, sort of the types of development uh, tax subsidies that we've seen in some of the um, developments in our mixed use center, which is um, you know, in a nutshell. Um, Developers have been given certain um, tax benefits. Usually, it is that you're, you know, if you're building a a place that has residential living units in it, uh, your taxes for a period of time will remain as they were on the unimproved uh, property. And then after that time passes, then your taxes elevate up to what the taxed value would be of the new building. Are right. those uh, built into these plans as well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in the um, the new proposal, so in the proposal, uh, there's the potential to expand what's called the multifamily tax exemption uh, to uh, some of the mid scale uh, residential zones, and but the one one of the proposed changes that that we're looking at is is really tying that multifamily tax exemption, which has not um, been able to generate nearly as many um, affordable units as the city has liked, you know, essentially require either requiring um, those units to to be built into the project or charging a fee in lieu of the um, affordable units uh, being built into the project and then having those go into a housing trust fund, which can then be used to either construct or, you know, maintain um, the good state of repair of units that are affordable in the, uh, in the city. Yeah. I think that the, um, the tax um, abatements have been a very effective tool for getting things built but I agree, you know, the de- what the developers are doing is they're being very pragmatic and they're taking the um, taking the agreed subsidy to build, which is a, a smaller period of time, and not as often taking the longer um, abatement period that you get if you build um, affordable or um, very low-cost uh, options. You know, so they're sort of cutting it in between and saying, well, I'm, I want, I'll build. So you, the city gets the benefit of having more housing units, but I'm not going to um, tie up my um, development. Um, I want to be able to charge market rate rents. Right, right. So they, so there's 
generally more participation in the eight year, mm-hmm. uh, eight year part of the program versus the 12 year. Absolutely. Correct. Right. Definitely. Um, you had mentioned when we were taking our break that, cause I had said, this is something where I really appreciate examples so I can kind of visualize what we're talking about. Uh, and you said there's a mapping tool and a storyboard. Tell me about that. Yeah. So if, I believe that it's in, it's on the the main page of the of the city of Tacoma website. So if you go to cityoftacoma.org and in the main banner will be um this a you know a, a picture essentially of um of the Home and Tacoma project. If you click on that, you can get access to uh, a map that will um that will allow you to not only see what the changes are for uh for the zoning um, based upon each of the different scenarios in your neighborhood and at your block. But it will also, there's also a little tool that allows you to put down a, a comment pin and you don't have to put down your, your contact information or your name or anything, but it allows you to provide feedback to, um, to staff and to the planning commission that we will take into account when we come up with, a, with some uh, revised um, alternative that we then forward onto the city council. Okay. Uh, I will also put a link to that in the program notes for this episode so people can uh, find it that way too. That sounds very helpful. Well, uh, we have a meeting coming up this Wednesday. Uh, tell me what that meeting is and tell me what you expect from that meeting. Yes. Yeah, so um, so on Wednesday is our public hearing for, uh, for the Home and Tacoma plan. Um, before that meeting, uh, we we take care of some some uh, some other business. We have uh, the uh, the non interim uh, port industrial uh, regulations that we have been working on for for some time. So we will pass those within um, within the first thirty minutes of that meeting. And so at five thirty, we'll be taking oral testimony from um, from people who wish to attend the uh, the public hearing. And we're expecting you know upwards of, of 50, 60 speakers, um, to, you know, to, to give their, their opinions and viewpoints on, um, on, on the plans and on, on the issue of affordable housing in Tacoma. Okay. That sounds good. So if people want to provide feedback, one option would be to attend the meeting Wednesday evening at five thirty and give uh, public comment what other ways can people provide uh, feedback? The the best other way to provide feedback is um, is actually to send an email to planning at cityoftacoma.org. Um, Elliot Barnett uh, is the senior planner at uh, at uh, the city of Tacoma who is fielding those those emails. And I'm going to you know as serving as a, a a uh, member of the of the planning commission. What I'm hoping to do is is to ensure that each one of the comments that gets submitted gets some form of response or gets some form of acknowledgement of of um, the issue that is that is raised. And so that that would be a really good uh, alternate venue. Um, I know that we've we've received pro- uh, it in excess of of probably a hundred emails at this point from from interested parties as well as um, organizations and institutions and and we really hoping um, that's one thing that I'm, I'm really hoping to do is that uh, a lot of the feedback that we've gotten so far has been from um, 
from homeowners from you know the north end and uh, you know uh, predominantly um, people who are who are white mm-hmm. um, and so one thing that we are really trying to help to to get more feedback from is is from is from people of color from renters and from people of, of um, limited you know financial means and so if you know we're everyone's voice is is important in this process but we you know we'd also like to to um, just sort of elevate um, voices that we haven't heard from um, more in the past. Mm-hmm. What about uh, making direct contact with uh, city council members? Is is that helpful at this point, or is it better to wait until um, the planning commission has had an opportunity to sort of mull this over and make some recommendations? Well, I mean it. People have their have their right to to you know voice their concerns to to the city council, but um, the the thing about this is that you might actually have more impact on the on what gets to them and what um, what uh, you know what the plan looks like before the city council considers it if you participate earlier in the process by providing feedback to the planning commission. So you you may I mean it 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 really is is dependent upon on, on what um, a particular constituent would like to do. If you'd like to make some specific suggestions and tweaks to tweaks to the plan that that it's generally generally the city council doesn't necessarily get into those that level of fine-grained detail but the planning commission definitely will mm-hmm. and uh, the question that i had skipped over earlier is is there a um no change option or you know sort of a possibility that after all of this the city might decide nope we're just going to keep everything the way it is i <laughs> If if there is one, if there is a scenario like that, I I think it would be hard at it would be difficult to to sort of justify it at, at this point because of the 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 issue of historical you know racial disparities in in Tacoma when it comes to housing because of the um, the large amount of displacement that we are seeing um, because of because literally the, the the city council is grappling with this issue of of homelessness um, and is expending great resources to sort of triage a problem that could potentially be handled by you know changes to the way that the market is allowed to you know help the city um, meet its housing challenges. Uh, it, I think it would be it would be difficult. You you'd sort of have to show up with a very large bag of money <laughs> to be able to construct social housing, you know, in particular areas where it's already allowed mm-hmm. um, in order to be able to come up with a no change scenario. So, you know, if a Bill Gates came came by with a billion dollars and mm-hmm. said, yes, let's let's construct some a, a ton of affordable housing in downtown Tacoma and in um, in the Tacoma Mall area. Yeah, I think that 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 could potentially be workable. But failing that, um, it, you know, we we need a, a, a you know, a, a different um, strategy that's going to actually pan out. Yeah. I think that's actually important because, um, people often will, you know, either not pay attention or will assume, you know, things will just continue on, but we have a very serious problem. We do not have sufficient housing for the people who need it. And I'm not even talking right now about, um, the individuals who've been pushed out of housing and are living, uh, without homes on the street. I'm talking about, um, you know, the, the families on my blocks uh, that have kids, you know, 
and who want, might want to stay in Tacoma, there are not really affordable housing options. You know, when you're when your entry housing starts hitting the 300,000 plus mark, uh, that is difficult for people to afford, except for people who have higher incomes and or, you know, family resources. So this is a real problem today. I give the city a lot of credit for looking at this very critically and coming up with some plans that will help correct our problems. Um, and I'm and I'm really looking forward to the discussion and hearing where it goes. Um, Chris, any final thoughts before we close out today? Uh, sure, sure. I think I, um, I'd just like to highlight sort of the questions that are sort of being asked of the, the public right mm-hmm. now, um, and what kind of feedback would be really, really helpful for us. And so, you know, I'd, I'd just like to pose a couple of questions. So, you know, is adding more housing choice the right way to go for addressing Tacoma's housing challenges? And if and if it's not the, the way to go, then, you know, what would you suggest as, as the listener? Um, sort of out of the scenarios presented, if you have a particular scenario that you would prefer, you know, tell us why, um, why you why you feel that way. Um, and then what issues would the city should the city be looking at to help resolve to, to help make the plan more compatible with existing neighborhoods. So if you've if you if you know of problem areas in in your neighborhood where there is that you know that abrupt transition in in density and you know tell us when like how you would like to see those those improved or how how we might be able to to change design standards to um, to make that change less jarring. Um, and then finally, sort of what criteria um, should the city use to incentivize the development of new affordable housing? And how should we, you know, change, potentially con- consider changing the multifamily tax abatement? You know, it, it should we be requiring affordable housing in every unit? Or should we be you know, more flexible and potentially consider um, allowing developers to pay into a housing trust fund? You know, it, those are all sorts of questions that the Planning Commission you know, really does not have a crystal ball for. We're not all knowing. We're, we are volunteers on, on, this, um, you know, on this commission. And so we, we are really looking to the public to sort of help us, help guide us um, yeah, in the development of this work. Great. Well, I think it's going to be a very interesting process. I think the meeting on Wednesday should be interesting. And then, you know, we'll continue to follow the discussions as they um, continue on social media. Thank you so much, Chris. I really think it's been it's been incredibly helpful to have your depth of knowledge on this issue. Thank you, Evelyn. I appreciate being here. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.